This is Talking Business. I'm joined now by Michael Whitelaw, who's the founder and director of Advanced Design Innovations. G'day, Michael. How you going? Now, um, I'm going fine. Um, the, uh, the, your business uh, is about louvers. Yes, More or less. Uh, it that, is now. Yes, that's the direction that we're taking now. Yeah, that's right. And that started because you were assigned or asked to come up with a special louver design. Yeah, so around about 20 years ago, uh, Renzo Piano was doing a building in Sydney and he's an Italian architect and he designed an intricate glass design. And uh, I was engaged at the time with Ovarips, which is a consulting firm to help design this. And uh it, it was, I'd, I'd just come from the automotive industry working at Mitsubishi Motors and working with an architect was a, a big sort of change for, compared to what I was doing. What were you doing? Um, well, so what for, were you designing up to that point? What were you doing at Mitsubishi? Yes, yeah, so I was in the, the powertrain chassis design, so designing the engine sort of design. Oh, and then I also designed equipment to go in the plant of itself. So Right. Yeah. And then you, so um, did you decide to go into the building industry? No, I moved to Sydney, so I had a bit of a change in career, and when I went to Sydney, I got this job with Arab Facade Engineering. So when I submitted my first design, um, it was a fairly intricate glass louver. It was ridiculous as far as I was concerned, anyway. It is what it is. And uh, I had all this, he had this beautiful, intricate quarter gear. So what was the, what was the assignment? What were they after? What, what, what did they They need? wanted to have the most, uh, if you, you know, they wanted to have basically like a, uh, a geared tooth arrangement visible from the street. And I, of course, being a good an engineer from a, a manufacturing background, covered the whole thing up with good guarding. And the architect in Italy was horrified. And I was horrified that he was horrified. And <laughs> so, so then started the journey of trying to find the compromise between a functional safe system and something that was beautiful and articulate. And then um, after that, I realised there was a niche market. In so the, did you come up with something that you could see from the street? Yeah. Later on, I started my own business after I left um, Ovarips, and uh, it was after that time that I... Uh, so how come the IP wasn't owned by Ovarips, and you, you managed to keep it? I didn't. I didn't actually use... That was just a typical glass louver system that just pivoted and opened through. Right. Later on, I would develop a system that would not only pivot, but actually would retract out of the way. Right. And that's where the uh, And so the that's IP what... Is. And you had to... You, but that's after you left Ovarips. Yes. Right. So just as a few steps, it was a 10-year period between when I left Ovarips and started my business. And in that time, um, I worked in fabrication. I realised that there's a lot of architects who want to design crazy things like walls that would open up or windows that would disappear into the floor and there was no proprietary products on the market. And so my business was to develop those Oh, okay, right. So but those, things were, those things were being done, weren't they? But architects who wanted that stuff got it done, right? No, a lot of them got told by the builders, sorry, you can't do it. So I then, uh, I then uh, basically said, well, if you want to have someone to take on the responsibility of designing it from a, an idea literally on a pasty bag sometimes, we can take it through as a, as a fully functioning item. We did that for nearly 10 years and I found it was very hard to make money out of that because it was very risky. You're doing things that had never been done and you're before. doing everything that was bespoke every time. Correct. And uh, you didn't get much of a return on your investment of time. So in the background, we were developing a retractable louver system and I was um, sitting at home in my, uh, my deck and thinking, wouldn't it be lovely if you could have a roof that was louver that would retract and go back out? And so I um, thought, oh, maybe I could ring up a few companies in Australia and see if they do it, and no one did it. And I rang up companies overseas, no one did it. 
And I was like, well, maybe we could have a crack. And little did I know that it would take nearly uh, eight years before we could have a product that was reliable and robust. What was the problem? It's incredibly difficult to make a mechanism that, that can concertina and rotate at the same time. So it's oh, I see. Very difficult. Right. So, but you pulled it off. We did, yes. <laughs> well done. And so how's the business going? You're selling it very often? Yeah, good. It's um, we've, we've, As I said, it takes, when you're doing uh, these projects, it's a high-end product, so it's sold through architects will specify, then it'll go to a builder for tender, and then it gets built. So from the time that you have an initial inquiry, sometimes it could be 18 months to two years before you see the final sale. So it takes a while to fill the pipeline with inquiries. So what's it we're sort of doing at the moment is building that pipeline of inquiries and then we should have a good stream of business. In but you have to presumably let architects know that it's available because they probably don't even think of it because it's too hard. One thing that's helped in the last three to five years is over in Europe, they've started to go down the path of doing retractable louvers. And I first started, there was only one other company in Israel who was doing it. And since then, there's probably half a dozen companies who can do the retractable roof louvers. Um, and so that's helping because they've got some big companies that are doing the advertising. So people are becoming aware that there is a retractable louver product. But because I've been designing mine a bit longer, there's a few features that we've been able to pr- create that some of those European companies haven't done yet. So Right. So, and is the feature that you, it's rotatable as well as retractable? No, they can do rotatable and retract. But for example, we can do the biggest one in the world at the moment, which is like about a five by 10 metre area, whereas the biggest one overseas is like a six by four metre area. So are you marketing your product around the world? Yeah. So I've now got a, a relationship with a company based in uh, Portugal. And uh, he's doing a big marketing launch in Paris in November next month. So I'm going to go over there and help with the setting it up and getting it going. And then we've got uh, partners in a number of countries over there from uh, Germany to um, to Italy to uh, Spain um, to the UK who are interested in buying the products. So we're hopefully going to get that going next year. So, so, so what are the challenges, apart from just getting it known and marketing, what are the challenges for, for starting a business like this? For example, where are you going to get it made? Uh, okay, I, I originally tried to make it in China for about three or four years, and that was a disaster because it's such a, it's a very, very high-precision product, and with countless trips over there to train the people how to do it. I just couldn't get the consistency and the quality. And when you're paying for a very high-end product, if it breaks down, the owner doesn't care if it's made in China. They want to know if it's going to work. So we ended up um, changing the design to suit Australian manufacturing technology, which is a little bit ahead of the Chinese. And now we make it all uh, in our factory in Wodonga, uh, Victoria. Right. Yeah. And you've you've designed, you've, you've built the factory, have you, basically? Well, we've got our... We, rent in the factory, but all the equipment in there. Yeah, that's what I mean. You've, yeah. de- you've designed the processes and so on. Yeah. yeah, I've got a great team. I've got some fantastic machinists and designers and, yeah, it's a really great team. So does it, does, has that meant it's more expensive than you expected? Um, it's just a little bit more. Since we've changed the design, uh, it's significantly brought the cost down, so it's sort of on par with the Chinese now, which is good. And what about your margins? Yeah, like I said, the margins are, are fairly similar because we changed the design to make the manufacturing cheaper. Right. Um, and have you sold any? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've sold like nearly, I've sold over 100 in Australia, New Zealand. I started distributing to New Zealand last year. Now that we're ready to get going. And um, it's going really well. And as, as you picked up, there is vertical louvers, which is when you have on a facade. And we just launched that um, about three months ago. 
And um, at this point in time, the vertical louvers are, we're the first company in the world that can do vertical louvers. So we've, I've just sent over a display set to Spain um, and I'm going over there when I, when I visit Paris, I'm going to go to Barcelona later on and they're going to set it up in their display and they've got a big network of customers worldwide. So we're really hoping they're going to start selling it as well. So. Right. Have you had to raise money? I imagine you did to, to build the factory um, or to... It has been difficult. Get out the factory. For prior to the doing the louvers and selling, we were doing these bespoke one-off projects where, again, you'd have like you know, one and a half million dollars for some windows that disappear in someone's $20 million mansion. So the profits that we made from all those jobs over 10 years have funded the R&D for all this work that we've done with the louvers. All right. So do you own the business still? Yeah. 100%. Uh, yeah, I have had some uh, investors um, chip in a small amount in the last sort of three or four months, but essentially I'm still the major shareholder. Right, and do you, do you think you'll need to raise money now to you know to start marketing it around the world? Uh, yeah, I mean I think there's there's definitely opportunities for investors to to get a good game. We're right at the point now where the design's all verified and we've got our manufacturing uh, techniques all together, and I guess we biggest thing we need to do now is advertise and get the word out there. So this is a terrific example of Australian technology, Australian design, uh, going around the world. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, so, but you've, you're, you, you, from what you were saying, your, your unique proposition is that you can do bigger ones than anyone else. That's right, yeah. And it actually helps when you're quoting against another company because where they'd have to put two complete separate installations in, we can, in some instances, we can do it in one. Um, with the vertical louvers, uh, the architect's preliminary review, they're just so excited about the vertical ones on a facade because you can block out the sun on a million-dollar view, but it doesn't keep going out of the way when the wind blows. So it's quite a breakthrough in terms of wind shading and also having a beautiful architectural element as well. Right. And I imagine uh, you'll be, you're able to um, you're able to quote on bigger jobs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if there's yeah. Any, any bigger jobs coming, we'll we'll have a look at them for sure. Yeah, and and when you when you start to uh, sell them through the your Portugal part Portuguese partner, that's still all going to be made in Wodonga. Yeah, so we make the mechanism, which can be all packaged onto like a pallet, and then he makes the large pieces, which is all the louvers and the tracks and things. So that right. way, it's it's more conducive for for uh, export. Right. Well, congratulations, Michael. That's Thanks a fantastic lot, achievement. Yeah, thank you very much. I've been talking to Michael Whitelaw, who's the founder and director of Advanced Design Innovations.